Chris Johnston. Good Show's official insider. The text line is just blowing up today, right? Like, and it's with all these people who say CJ said a thing. And the thing that CJ apparently said is that the Leafs were in, that he was the Leafs were interested in some impact forward that was on USA's national team. So I took a little peek on that national team. And I noticed Connor Garland was there. But now he plays for the Vancouver Canucks. CJ, was that the guy? That's not what I said. Oh, your audio is sketchy. Yeah, uh, we got tech problems, I think. Yeah, we got a little bit of a tech problem. Let's hold on. Let's try and reset that one. Yeah, Lance is going to call CJ back. But what I'll tell you, I'll relay you the message from Chris Johnson right there. That's not what he said. So, liars who lie. You bunch of liars who lied to me. I knew it. I knew I shouldn't trust you. I'm even looking at one guy who DM'd me, Andy, who's like, he says multiple years of control, He's gonna, they're going to add an impact forward. Stop it. All right? Let's all stop misquoting CJ. Let's all stop saying that he did a thing, and let's let him explain for himself. Something that I wish he would have said on this show first, but he's, he's told Dangle. For, for, sure, it's fine. It's, it's fine. It's cool. It's cool. But, like, what is the what is the truth behind this you talking about American players that the Leafs are trying to add? And, again, was it Connor Garland? It was not. Okay. And I'm not going to go there because, you know, that was two months ago. And oh. uh, I don't believe what I thought was going to happen is going to happen anymore. So I don't want to. Because it could still happen again, so there's no reason to get into it right now. All right. Well, then let's go with what we think could happen here because Dubas, during his media veils, and I'm not expecting a general manager to actually show you all the cards and tell you all the truths and whatever, but he did say, and I think it was on Tim and Friends, actually, when he did his appearance there, that they're going to explore free agency first, which is fine. Um you held out of the trade market. You stood pat so far, other than Hyman, who is like, he's gone. He's as good as gone. But you're going to explore free agency in a time where the Leafs are in a state of flux. There's a lot of turmoil around the team. The free agent market is not exactly chock full of overly interesting names. And also, you have something where guys are still getting paid and guys are getting term. Like, Zach Hyman... Could have gotten eight years. He's going to get seven, and it's that big money. Barkley Goudreau, who I love, like awesome player, winning player, good player, but still like a depth player. He just got a six-year contract at over three and a half per. I got to think that the price tag to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs right now is not super cheap, that guys are not you know bending over backwards to be coming here if you actually have the ability to sign any type of a term, any type of contract, like – what what is your initial impression of just like what the free agent picture is going to look for like for Kyle Dubas? Well, I think it's going to be limited. You know, Kyle was pretty upfront in his media availabilities in the last few days uh, around the draft that you know that he's sticking with the team, and, and if if he's sticking with the main guys, we all at least can can go to cap friendly and take a quick look and see that they just don't really have money to participate in what you're talking about. You know, I, I can say that someone I was speaking to this morning who works for another team, not the Leafs, 
was saying he thinks the free agent market's going to have a big bounce back day tomorrow. That that it's not going to be like it was last October when you know barely anybody got paid, at least relative mm-hmm. to the past. And and you know it, it does seem like there, there's quite a bit of aggressive bidding going on for for the few um, you know interesting assets. I, I think you know what the Leafs will be doing is it, probably their number one priority is to, to get another goaltender mm-hmm. uh, because there's a lot of teams league wide that are are looking to add someone in that position and. You know, it's obviously a pretty pivotal spot for a team with Toronto's ambition to, to make sure that they're protected there. And then after that, I think it's it's going to be a lot of bargain shopping. Um, you know, if it's if it's anything more than that, I'd be I'd be highly surprised. But you know, I think the Leafs are coming back with a, a version very similar to what they were before. Um, you know, with some some of the cheaper names, and and I don't think that they're going to be big names that you know, get everyone all fired up in the market. I don't think that's the point right now. It's it's about doing what they can to keep this core together. So let's start with the goalie because I – it's weird, man. Normally people love talking about goaltending in this city, but I, I think that Jack Campbell has everybody so confident that a lot of Leafs fans are not overly concerned about what they do at the goaltending position and that it's kind of one of those things where there's a lot of guys who are in a fairly similar range – and, and and I mean that in terms of talent, not money, that people would basically be happy with. Like they could go as high as the Darcy Kempers of the world, but if they were someone, if they went to the like Linus Allmarks or uh, the, I don't know, the Rantas, if it was they were going to get in, the, like people wouldn't be um, having strong opinions of one guy versus the other. Whereas I think with like the forward group, that is a little bit more contentious now that Hyman is out. But I do want to start with the goaltending because it does feel like, all right, if you are going to have some money to burn, that you're probably going to have to spend around $4 million bucks replacing Freddie Anderson in some competent way. Is that your read on it? Like, Do you have any sense of how the Leafs are playing out what they're going to do with goalie? Because, yeah, it, it does really sound like a priority for Dubas and Co., and, and I think it probably should be considering um, Campbell's track record and injury history. Yeah, and, and the quote you referenced earlier that you know I took that one to be about the goaltending that they'll yeah. you know see what's available to them in free agency. You know, one of the things that's unpredictable. You know, I think there's ten teams probably in a similar spot to them that are also in the bidding for these players. So there's a little bit less certainty about who you're getting, or you know, it, it is a little bit more directly like the the music stops and, and it's musical chairs. And then you know, I think the backup plan is someone maybe like a Darcy Kemper who they could they could still be traded out of Arizona, you know, if things don't work out for them with, with the guys they've targeted in free agency. Um, you know, I'm with you. It doesn't seem to be driving a huge amount of conversation, but I can be assure you by the time we get to October, um, it's going to be pretty important. And, you know, I think it's reasonable to expect some fall off or drop off in Jack Campbell's play. You know, we see that at, at every position, but especially at the goaltending position, he had such a marvelous year last year. I'm not forecasting that he won't be good for them, but, you know, I, I do think you can't count on him, you know, putting up the same percentage he had and being as consistently on top of his game as he was in a shortened season last year. Now that we're going back to 82, it's going to be condensed because of the Olympic break. Um, you know, I just think there's a lot of factors here that you're going to want someone, you know, pretty tested in that spot. And I, I'm thinking you can probably do it for three to four million, somewhere in that range. I mean, mm-hmm. you're going cheaper, you're, you're taking more of a risk. And, you know, that's kind of the cost-benefit analysis that has to be done because, Anything saved there, you know, would free up more money to to add a forward or depth defenseman. But um, you know, it's 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 this is a tricky time, I think, for the Leafs front office because you know they're just really they're trying to get a fair bit done with with very little in a marketplace that I don't think favors 
the position they're in. Uh, I mean, what, that, that the good news for them, of course, is they have the high-end talent. Lots of teams out there don't have uh, that are in the bidding for these players. But, you know, filling out this, this roster won't be an easy task in the next uh, few days. No, dude, I, so I've, I've been getting a lot of DMs from people recently or, like, some messages on Twitter whenever I speak about the Leafs, and they always go, like, why are you so negative? 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 And my first answer is, well, this is a team that I've followed my entire life and hasn't won a playoff series since I've been in high school. So part of that frustration is unfair, right? Because Kyle Dubas has not been here for that entire tenure. That's not all Kyle Dubas' fault, that they haven't been winners and that they haven't been able to get things done. I very, very strongly believe some of the principles Kyle Dubas has in terms of Dude, yeah, if Tavares is in that series and Galchenyuk doesn't throw one of the worst passes I've ever seen, um, yeah, that the Leafs are moving forward and that they probably beat the Jets and they might lose to the Golden Knights, but that the situation that we're looking at in terms of like the lens of what the Leafs should be doing of running it back being controversial versus not was like, yeah, the difference in hockey can be some bad bounces at times. My, I guess my problems I have with it is like, one, people did look at this free agency period if they lost Hyman and Freddie Anderson as, wow, like, you know, they actually have some money to play with. And you're talking about the free agent market bouncing back, some mitigating factors that are going to hurt Toronto in free agency anyways and just like kind of their inflexibility and being able to add something the fact that they don't have a ton in the prospect pool that's like immediately going to come up and help there are two guys of note right Robertson and Sandine so those should help you but like I don't think that their development over the course of you know a few months is going to turn them from guys that weren't impacting the playoffs to guys that are going to carry you over the goal line and yeah, I just I see a much much more difficult path forward. Florida's getting better. That's why they're loading up and they're adding. I think Boston is still basically going to maintain who they are. Tampa got a lot worse, but I still look at their team and say it's a pretty healthy and strong one. Montreal bounced you, and if we're talking about internal development, like they're in a good place for it too. Um, the thing that I don't really love is the sense that. Kyle Dubas is putting it out there like we're running this back as the way that you put it was the last stand, right? This is the last stand for the core. And I'm like, the reason why GMs have term and the reason why you don't have lame duck GMs or lame duck coaches is that you want to avoid the kind of thinking of everything matters for one year and you're doing short-term over long-term thinking. And And there's a little part of me that's starting to get a little scared about – how Toronto's moves are very, very much in the vein of Kyle Dubas is doing stuff to win now, save his job now, rather than do what is right for the long-term health of this franchise, or at least the, the health of the franchise over the course of the remaining Austin Matthews years. Like, do you, is your read on this, I, and I know this is a super long-winded answer, so I'm sorry for that, but, or like, question, but is your read on this that it is as desperate with the Leafs front office as it is coming across to the general public and to rubes like me, or that this is just a little bit more calculated and a little bit more calm and not as urgent as it's being put out there. I'd say it's defiant more than desperate. You know, I, okay. th- that was that was what I took from it. Like I, I think it's Kyle Dubas saying like he believes in what he's done, even if it hasn't yielded the results. He's not going to bend to try to save his job. He's not going to consider trading one of these players you know, the, the, the guys that make the big money and, and remaking this whole thing, that, that he doesn't – that he's still got belief in the fundamentals that, that mm-hmm. led to the Leafs where they are today and that it's almost his last stand with this group in the sense that, you know, he, he referenced in the one media availability that, that he knows that he's basically attaching his own job future to those players by doing so and that he's fine with that, that, that 
that's a bet he wants to make. I mean, I, I don't see a GM that's desperate to save his job making crazy moves. I see a guy who's comfortable doing, you know, next to nothing or, 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 or comfortable, you know, making only small changes to a team that still hasn't won that, that playoff series, you know, that, that's gone over five these last five years that, that, you know, the last two years in particular was favored in, in their series and didn't win and, and, you know, blew it in pretty spectacular fashion in May. And so, you know, I, I, I see it as, as a defiance, like, you know, that I'm not going to change just because this hasn't worked yet, and I still believe in it. And, you know, obviously there's some risk there. I, I, I do think that the next year matters a lot for everyone. Um, you know, but the, we also saw so much growth this season prior to that playoff series that, I, you know, who's to say that the players that are already part of this aren't going to be better next year? You know, I, I realize that that's, that's a hard it's a hard thing to think about in July sometimes when, when you know, there's not a lot to hang your hat on there, but you know, I think that that's kind of what the bet is here. And, you know, they'll, they'll be smart. I, I think they were smart last year in free agency. Like I, I know the whole thing didn't work, but they, they were operating with a similarly tight cap situation. And I thought they filled the roster out well. They won, you know, the division pretty comfortably and, you know, they, they didn't deliver when it mattered, but, you know, I, I think that they've shown themselves to be able to handle these, these types of things and, and really, Let's face it. What are we going to talk about? And you know, in forty-five minutes, there's going to be buyouts, right? I mean, most of the contracts that get bought out are the ones that are signed on the first day of free agency. I know we have to big it up. We got a show and everything, but this is a time when a lot of mistakes are made, and I just don't think the Leafs are going to make one of those mistakes. Well, I don't think that they have the cap space to really make those mistakes. Like that seems to be pretty evident. Well, they could if they traded someone, but then that would be yeah. a mistake in itself potentially. Sure, but I, I like the way I look at it is um, when you are like the, just because you didn't make a move doesn't mean it's not it's it's a makes you infallible from a mistake or makes you avoid a mistake. Like to me, one of the biggest things is like Kyle. First of all, Mister Dubis, when you say like you're not going to compromise your vision or you're not going to compromise the thing, blah 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 blah. It's like you already have. So first of all, this is kind of like already BS. Like, the idea that you didn't put anything into, like, the intangibles and the veteran stuff and that they didn't need that and the toughness, whatever. Like, you went out and signed Wayne Simmons, and he came out with a media conference of, I'm going to punch people's faces in. You went out and made sure that you signed Joe Thornton. You went out and, at the deadline, acquired a guy like Nick Foligno, partly because you thought, hey, this is some snarl. And he can talk all he wants about, like, how he doesn't like those kind of deals, first-round picks at the deadline, but he did it. Like, he did it. So you are clearly flexible in some of your beliefs. You don't think that that's a great long-term move, but you did it because you saw an opportunity last year with a good team that you could believe in, and that's great. I just worry sometimes that it's like you're holding on to something that's no longer there. Are you going to be the favorites in a Stanley Cup playoff matchup next year? I don't think so. Are you going to be a favorite? Because are you going to play Montreal? Doubt it. You're probably going to be playing Florida if you get in or Boston if you get in or Tampa if you get in because it looks like everything is going to go back to the status quo. And in that case, like when I look at the division right now, the way I see it is the Leafs would be maybe maybe they end up with a great regular season record. They've been a good regular season team. I don't think that's an impossibility to believe, but I don't think that they would be some kind of heavy favorite the way that they were against Montreal. And I think that their team is going to be worse. Like it's, it's just harder and harder for me to see how they're going to build around the fringes the way that they did last year. Because I think Zach Hyman is very, very important, and I think that he's part of the core, and this kind of whole thing of like losing Hyman and he's a depth player that you can't pay is a little nuts to me. And that brings me to this, man, and this is why like I wanted to talk about long-term thinking involved. Where do you think the Leafs are at with Morgan Riley right now? Because going into the offseason, there was a lot of hype around, hey, um, 
maybe Morgan Riley is the piece that ends up getting moved. Now, if it's the last stand, then you can't trade Morgan Riley because there's no real meaningful way that your team can get better moving him. At least I don't think so. It's really, really hard to imagine winning a Morgan Riley trade and having your team better in the now. Then Seth Jones gets traded, and he might be more valuable than Morgan Riley, but I don't think that it's like worlds apart with those two guys. And you also just got a pretty good idea, I have to imagine, in terms of the type of term and money that Morgan Riley is going to be looking at here. Did the Seth Jones thing at all, A, actually give us an indication of Morgan Riley, and B, does it seem more likely that he's staying now or that his name has been removed from trade conversations? I, I don't think we have any clarity there. You know, <clears throat> I haven't heard at all that his names have been in trade conversations. Maybe they've gauged the market on him a little bit. You know, obviously front offices do that. You know, my sense all along with this one is that they wanted to get into August, see what happens, you know, in free agency tomorrow, see see where the, the, the top free agents fall in terms of, you know, what they're making and, and you know, maybe engage at that point uh, with Morgan Riley and, and his agent to, to see if, if, you know, there's something that can be worked out that makes sense in terms of signing an extension now this summer. You know, to me, if, if there isn't, if, if the numbers are just too too far beyond what they can, they feel they can stretch themselves to if it's too risky, you know, then, then you get into an interesting spot. I mean, this, this has been a team that's been more than comfortable to let guys play out their contracts and basically see the value in, in having that season with you, you know, not just trading you for assets. You know, a trade like the Seth Jones trade, I, I just don't think would, would help Toronto. Um, makes sense for where Columbus is at, but, you know, they don't need that first and second round picks unless it's to flip those for other players at some point. Um, but, you know, they, they don't really need to be drafting in those spots too much. Uh, at this point and, and where they're, they are in their curve uh, competitively. And so, you know, I, I don't, I really don't know how it's going to go with Morgan. You know, I, I think he really wants to be here and might be open to, you know, I don't want to, I haven't asked him this, but it, it, I, I could, he's the type of player that I could see maybe not pushing for the absolute high end of the market. Um, but it's got to be fair too. And, and this will be much like Zach Hyman. I mean, he's in a similar age range. Yep. This will be his his chance to to get his big contract. I mean, he had he played on a, a reasonably big contract that's expiring next after next season. But you know, I, I think he'll be looking for a raise, and he'll probably be looking for a long term if if that raise isn't too significant. So, um, you know, I, I really don't know how that's going to go yet, and and I don't get the sense that that the Leafs have made it a priority that that there's still, you know, I think that there's still some some things to to get done here. In, in the near term before they really figure out, okay, can we sign them? And then, then if we don't sign them, you know, what's the path forward? Yeah, see, that to me, the path forward is what you've just learned from Hyman is you no longer can do the own rental thing. Like, own rental is fine when you get Montreal and potentially Winnipeg or Edmonton in the second round, and you're actually in what I believe was more of an all-in season than this should be. But watching Zach Hyman be someone who's so coveted that he's going to get a seven-year deal with the Oilers and thinking about the type of return you could have gotten for him and Van Riemsdyk and Bozak and Gardner and even, I guess, like Barry, there was that conversation about are you willing to take a second-round pick? The Leafs have moved a lot of draft picks out the door over the last couple of years as they've done this own rental thing. Like... um our buddy Anthony Petrelli noted it that they've actually traded out an entire draft pick class, like through first through sevens, including a couple right. of bonus seconds in there. Like, I think that people are underestimating how much that they've pilfered, not only from their own draft picks, but like what they have not gotten back. And so to not move Morgan Riley or to not re-sign Morgan Riley and add him to the list is like, that's actually the one thing to me that's like completely unacceptable short of winning a Stanley Cup. But this is how you win a Stanley Cup, right? I mean, 
Like, I'm not saying the Leafs are going to win. I get it. I get it. That's the problem with with every discussion on the Leafs is you can go back to that. But, you know, Tampa hasn't been picking much in the first round. You know, they traded a first for Barkley Goodrow and Blake Coleman, and that worked. But that could have easily not worked. Uh, And I'm not taking anything away from them. But I I feel like they're operating the way the teams that are trying to win the Cup operate. And, and, you know, Tampa just watched the – you know, walk those two players also to unrestricted free agency. Mm-hmm. Um, two cups and, later, but they they have no regrets because they got two, mm-hmm. two pieces of laundry hanging up in the in the rafters now. Um, you know, but that that's I, I think that that's what they're doing. I mean, I, I can't really fault them. Like I know it hasn't worked because they haven't won. But mm-hmm. had they traded any of those players anywhere along the way, like if they traded James and Reams, like you know, maybe they don't even make the playoffs that one year. I mean, it, it's not. I guess it's just tough for me to, to criticize them for that. I get, I get why the notion is out there. And I think it's an intriguing conversation with Riley because of his age. Um, and because, look, you do have Rasmus Sandin there. I'm not saying he can fully replace him in one second, but we did see you know, they already tried him last year on Power Play 1 at the end of the season and, and you know knock, knock Morgan away from that spot. You know, they're already sort of at least looking around the fringes of ways you know, we might see his role reduced, I guess, as, you know, a player like that comes along. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I'm not I'm not averse to the conversation about trading Morgan Riley, but I also don't think you have to get something for him rather than let him walk. I mean, I think they're a better team with him right now, and, and I really believe they should be all in on trying to win the Stanley Cup next year just as they were these last couple seasons. Yeah, trying to win when you have Austin Matthews and when you have a <laughs> saying that you're not trying to win a Stanley Cup when you have uh, the guys you have under the contracts you have them in and John Tavares creeping up in age uh, is a hard sell. I just I think at this point you have to compromise some of it and say, hey, we're going to try and add the salary that we're losing with Morgan Riley, the five million bucks, and supplementing around the roster and use that extra five mil and do a type of trade that you saw with Seth Jones if that's available to you because like. I just would rather have the flexibility of the draft picks to go, well, we can either move these in trades, we can either move these for something else, but we need to have some term here and we need to let somebody else pay Morgan Riley if we're not going to pay him. And yeah, okay, if he's willing to come back on a hometown discount of some kind, sure, but you also sign Morgan Riley and you're looking at a team where it's like, I'd rather have them sign him too because, again, you can trade Morgan Riley early in his tenure, and I think that if you're going to give him a contract that another team probably would have too, it's not as easy to get it done when he's you know making $8 million versus $5 million. But I, I still think that that decision does have to come now. Like that decision from the Leafs, as hard as it might be, has to come now. So um, I want to jump around to a couple more just like Leafs small things, and then I want to ask you about Jack Eichel, and I'll let you go. I've, I've already taken a lot of your time. Are there any targets of note so far? Like, are there any names out there that are kind of buzzing around that you think that the traction with Toronto could be real, whether it's free agency or whether it's restricted free agency, like some people that they could be putting around their forward group because they they need more forwards. They do. You know, I'll say it's been pretty quiet, honestly. You know, so many of the the players, the guys that we know where they're going, I haven't heard one one of them going to Toronto, if that makes sense. And, you know, I do think, and I do think that that's, that's a little bit, you know, maybe that's behind that comment where they, yeah. they recognize that they might not be in the mix for some of these guys and that they might have to make trades subsequently. That, that the, you know, they might not be able to get their shopping done tomorrow and, and just go up to the cottage. Um, you know, this, this might take a little bit longer because of their, their cap position. They have to be really careful how they, they get through this. And so, yeah, I could tr- like throw it a name off the top of my head, but I honestly I haven't heard any solid intel 
about any of these guys, and I think it's because they are going to be bargain shopping and seeing maybe who's around on the second or third day and who, you know, who they can can scoop up and, and make a you know a reasonable bet on. Um, because I, I just don't see them being in the mix for any of the the, the people we're going to be you know focusing on on the show tomorrow. Let's just put it this way. Do you think that the highest tier that they could go up in terms of free agent that they're going to add is either Felino or Granlund? That, that's a good way to frame it. You know, and, and obviously two players they've liked in the past and, and had Nick a little bit. You know, I, I think that, that the challenge with Nick Felino though, is there's, there's a number of teams that are around him. You know, I know the Oilers are there. Obviously, he's been linked to Minnesota. Um, you know, I, I think that, that he's going to have – you're going to have options. So if, if you're signing him, my guess is you're either getting to a, a spot with the, the cap hit that you're a little bit uncomfortable with, or you're giving him an extra season uh, than maybe you'd want to, you know, I think he's in a, in a good position. It didn't, didn't go well here. I think, I actually think it makes some sense to try to bring him back from, for both sides uh, because I think he was fired up to be a leaf and he didn't get a chance to really do it in the proper way. Um, and, you know, for, for Toronto, he's a sunk cost in the sense that they've already paid the big price to bring him in and, you know, if you can make it work, you know, I think there's some logic there with, with Granlin too, though. You know, he he was someone who really got squeezed in for agency last year, yeah. and, and the Leafs tried to squeeze him even more. You know, they didn't want to pay him what, what Nashville ended up um, paying him. But, you know, may, maybe that's but that, that's probably sort of the, the, the splashiest of, of the names um, that, that you could find, I think. You know, it's... yeah. I, I see some people trying to float like Landis Cog and all this stuff, and I just, no. you know, it, it's kind of to me it doesn't make sense unless there's some, unless there's a real big trade coming that that's you know been kept extremely quiet. Yeah, um, it feels a little bit more like the class of guy that they're going to be trying to go for is like the Beninos, and I know everyone loves Michael Bunting. I don't know who the hell that is. Um, I Michael Bunting could come in and be like, I'm co-hosting the show with you today. I'd be like, I, you play in the NHL? I had no idea. Apparently he's well, decent. He scored but... half a goal a game last season, and Kyle yeah. Dubas certainly knows who he is with, from the two yeah. connection. So, yeah. look. You, you could have done worse over the years on betting on Kyle Dubas, uh, you know, right. bringing someone in from that has a Sioux connection. Yeah. So yeah. there's your guy. All right. Michael Bunting, catch the fever. <laughs> bunt for bunt. Let's go. Uh, we're all in on bunting. All right. So Jack Eichel, um, it goes, it passes the draft. He doesn't get traded. Now it doesn't feel like there's really any urgency for this thing to happen at all. Do you think that this even happens over the next couple of weeks? Like, what, where are we at in terms of Eichel and the market and what is going to develop here? Well, to me, it's in a really kind of dangerous spot in the sense that, like, yeah, there, there, would, there would be some push to get a deal done because, let's face it, any team that's looking at acquiring a $10 million center probably mm-hmm. is going to be thinking about what they're going to do in free agency tomorrow if, if they don't get them. And mm-hmm. so, you know, in theory, today could be, I guess, the day to get it done, but it just doesn't feel like that's what's happening here. And frankly, you know, I think the Sabres are in a tough spot because, you know, at some point they, they lose a little bit of the leverage in negotiations because, they, you know, I do think, look, they, they, they moved wrist line and they got uh, Reinhardt traded. You know, it would probably be nice for them if they're completely turning the page, if, you know, they're, they're going to have a really tough season on the ice next year, but, you know, they're stockpiling for the future and doing all that again. You know, I think that for, for the sanity of everyone involved, it would probably be best if he was already moved. But mm-hmm. I'm with you. I could see this team saying we're not paying your price now. And then they get beyond free agency and money gets spent and it, you know, it becomes a tougher trade to make because anyone acquiring them is going to have, you know, a cap challenge and adding that salary straight up and all those sorts of things. And so, 
I, I think this could drag, honestly. You know, obviously, there, there's teams that are interested. You know, we know Minnesota's been there. I think Anaheim is hanging around. You know, the Rangers makes a lot of sense, depending on what they do with Mika Zibanejad, uh, who's in a similar spot to Morgan Riley, entering his, his final season of his contract. Um, but, you know, I, it's, it's a difficult move to pull off, and I think the fact we're on the wrong side of the draft right now is going to make it even tougher on Kevin Adams. Yeah, my only pushback to the money getting spent thing is, okay, I, I'm I'm with you that it really does seem like free agents are bouncing back, but the sexiest names on the market are, by my estimation anyways, Palmieri, Coleman, uh, Dougie Hamilton, and Gabe Landeskog. And that, okay, if you're in on, like, Grubauer, for example, who's one of the other bigger names, like, you're probably not in on Eichel or whatever. Like, you're you're not switching your money from a goaltender to Jack Eichel. That none of these things are really going to change too much for you. Like, am I missing somebody here that's really going to change well, the outcome of what happens with these free agent markets? Like, and do we expect those guys to, like, be going – like, are you really going to give Blake Coleman money before you decide to trade for Jack Eichel and have that impact your decision-making? Like, I don't know. I didn't mean to directly link them so much as is more like if you haven't made the Eichel trade and you're in, in a team spot heading to free agency, I think you're just spending money in general. You know, like, like Minnesota is going to have cap problems. That's not a mystery after those buyouts they gave to Suter and, yeah. and Prize. Yeah. Like, like, and they have to add a bunch of D. And I, I just could see them, you know, spending a bunch of money in the next few days to fill out their team. And then if Buffalo comes back and says, hey, what about this Eichel deal? Like, it just might not be there for them. You know, I guess the one where it might remain is Anaheim. I, I don't have their cap picture in front of me, but, you know, I know that, that, that they do have room. And, and obviously they got some intriguing young prospects. I think that that's where that deal has been hung up. You know, not necessarily wanting to, to give up on a Zegris or a Drysdale or some of these guys, you know, right when they're basically on the cusp of becoming full-time NHL players. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Rangers, it's going to be a big cap. That, that's the, that, that is a cap decision. I mean, I, I don't see how they could possibly extend Zibinijad and think they can bring in Eichel and keep Zibinijad at least beyond this coming season. Um, and let's, let's look at it. It's, it's going to be a difficult maneuver. I, I think it gets tougher as time goes on because you lose – you lose the push. I mean, the reason Aristo Island trade happens or the Seth Jones trade happens right before the, the Friday first round of the draft is, you know, it's involving picks that night. I mean, it, there's there's sort of an immediacy that that's forcing the teams to make a decision. And, and you know, and then the team gets to, you know, go call someone at 12th overall or whatever. So, um, you know, I, I, I do think you lose some of that spark at this point. And look, there's still some questions about his health and, and, uh, you know, I, I don't think the teams feel that they have all the information they need there to make this kind of decision yet either. Do any of the following players return to their teams? Dougie Hamilton, Gabe Landeskog, Phil Deneau. Uh No. Uh, Dougie, Dougie might. Oh, and Landis, Landeskog is going back. Yeah, I, I think I think Deneau is the one who's not going back. Um, nice. But I, I could see, I, I could certainly see Dougie end up back in Carolina and, and you know, it feels to me like Landis Cog, it, it's tricky. Colorado's a team that negotiates hard. You know, you even saw it in some of the details of the McCarr extension. Like, obviously, he got his money, but he didn't get the kind of deal that a lot of players in his situation get. And, you know, they're they're grinding their captain. But if you're him, would you leave right now? You know, even for a little bit more money somewhere else? I mean, I think we're all looking at that team as one that could win a Stanley Cup. He's been part of it for a long time. It's a great place to live. I just have to believe that deal gets done and, and with the abs. 
It's it's a wild notion to think that you would you know grind someone in a contract negotiation and threaten them about the potential to leave what is a friendly looking situation that could be competitive for a while and staying in the place you want to stay. It's just like what a novel idea. Uh, That's a Chris tough Johnson. Tweet. Yeah, no, it just didn't like. Wow, I I didn't know that was possible. If you'd only lived here and you could only see one team, you wouldn't know that was the case. Um, Chris well, Johnson. Well, the dynamics uh, are different though. No, no one's yeah, talking okay, yeah, sure. right now. No, no one is. No one is going on the radio every day like you are and everywhere else. Like I, I do think the Leafs deal with a different dynamic than, than some of these teams in the U.S. Yeah. All right. Well, it's good. It's good to know. Uh, Chris Johnson, you're the best. Um, at Reporter Chris, a must-follow over the coming days. Thanks for making time today, buddy. Enjoy uh, beautiful Vancouver. I'm back in Toronto, so I'm all good. Oh. Be in studio tomorrow with Elliot. Okay. Enjoy even more beautiful Toronto. Ten times more beautiful Toronto. See you soon, bud. See you, bud. All right, Sammy, turn on your mic. Um, Sammy Key is the producer of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He is a lifelong fan as well. Um, give me your level of excitement for Michael Bunting. Well, you know, I wouldn't <laughs> you talk yourself in. Necessarily high. Yeah. Listen, I understand for Bunting. Yeah. No, I understand where the Leafs are at. Like, yeah. uh, I would have killed for four guys in the Leafs like this my entire life. You know, like, the, mm-hmm. they, they are what they are. They've made their bed with these four guys. And as long as Dubas is around, that's going to be the four guys. So mm-hmm. I guess I kind of understand that they're not going to be able to be big, splashy guys in the free agent market. But, you know, the first day is fun. You want it to happen on the first day. You love when they sign a big-name guy. Like, you think when all those huge contracts were signed that one year, remember, like, Bacchus and Andrew Ladd and all those mm-hmm. crazy contracts. Do you think on the first day of free agency, all those fan bases were like, oh, crap. Like, crap, we signed these guys. Like, oh, that sucks. Like, signing big-name dudes to sexy contracts is fun. Look what the Blue Jays did with Springer. It's a fun mm-hmm. time. So uh, I'm not excited for this, really. Like, I, I guess the only hope is a big a big trade for the Leafs at some point. But, yeah, it's going to be Bunts. Old Buntsy. So I'm fired up for that. But, yeah, it's Bunts. not going to be enjoyable. And, yeah, and we got a little bit of news here. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you're uh, checking the Twitter machine while you're, while you're uh, no. talking to CJ there. Marc-Andre Fleury. Has been traded. Whoa. To the Chicago Blackhawks. To the Chicago Blackhawks. Whoa. For nothing. For yeah. nothing. Literally nothing. <laughs> Literally nothing. They said, we've traded him for nothing. We just, we just, hey, what'd you get back? Nothing. We traded nothing. He won the Vesna. Yeah. Uh, couldn't get clearly... something for him? So this, this is what, this is my read off that. Uh, now Eichel's going to Vegas. No, well, that one, yes, they have cleared room for for Jack Eichel. But two, when it comes to Chicago, they feel great about where Taves is at. Like, they feel really, really good about where Taves is at. And now that they've added this goaltender, and now that they've added Jones, and having a fully healthy, like another year of the Debrinket, and that Taves being back healthy, they want to give this guy the the proper team around him. And that all that stuff around like a year ago when Chicago was moving pieces. Again, dude, this is the case for the Leafs, by the way, trading Morgan Riley and getting assets back, just so everybody's clear, is Chicago basically had one season where they went, we're not trying to win right now. And now they're back. Yeah. 
I don't know. I got to look at the whole roster up and down. But, like, yeah, if you get Marc-Andre Fleury and Seth Jones in an offseason, I know people hate it because those guys actually get paid and it takes up cap space, which is not – um, oh, not allowed. It's it's not a, it's not a good thing for everybody on hockey Twitter. Like and Seth those Jones guys sucks have ca- too now. Yeah, Seth Jones sucks now, and so does Mark Andre Fleury because they actually make money, and so they suck, and we shouldn't even care about them. But <laughs> yeah, that feels awesome. But again, just like a message for the Leafs who have compared themselves. Boy, those are dark comparisons. Now is the Leafs to the new Blackhawks is minus all the cups and any success and <laughs> likability like serious <laughs> wins. Yeah, minus everything. They're the new Blackhawks. Uh, but yes, not making everything an all-in season. Taves was pissed off for a year and went, "I don't want to be a part of a rebuild." And the Blackhawks went, "Don't worry, it's not going to be a rebuild." And CJ just texted me. I'm seeing the text. Is it about this? Yeah, he said what we said. Okay, now Vegas have Eichel space. So there you go. Yep. All right? Maybe that was supposed to be a private text. Too bad. (laughs) You were just on the radio. If you text me right after you got off the radio, you're... You're well, still on the I mean, radio. Listen, all right? I wouldn't necessarily say we're break. I wouldn't say we're breaking news here. Mm-hmm. Vegas yeah. has gotten every sweet guy for the last three years, <laughs> I know. and they just they they just made seven million bucks in cap space, yeah. and they have at like. But what what would they cap trade space. to get them? The question. I feel like they have a completely Who different cares? team than when they started four years ago. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. It is a crazy. Yeah, you should put yourself in the conversation for good players. And if I'm the Maple Leafs right now, I call Vegas and go, "You want Mitch Marner? What would you give? What what, what were you going to offer for Jack Eichel? Just yeah, just put it out there. What was your Eichel offer? Let us hear it. Yeah, because Marner's on the table. But Flower no, would have been an interesting option for the Leafs. Too much money. Yeah, you but would have had to get them a retained the salary. Yeah, I, I know, but what are you sending the other way? Like, what is like Vegas doesn't want to retain any salary cap. Like you just said, they traded them for no. nothing to get cap room yeah. for Eichel. So there's nothing that they want back. So you take on Mark Andre Fleury, and all of a sudden, yeah, no, you can't even get Michael Bunting. Michael Bunting is a dream to you. <laughs> you know, it's a pipe dream. So no, I, I don't think that the Fleury thing worked unless you got someone to eat some salary, and that wasn't the case because they can't afford to I- pay anything else. And I feel really bad because I said that trade was for nothing. But there is a guy going to Vegas, and his name is Mikhail Mikhail Hekarainen. So I'm sorry, Sick. bud. He's a minor leaguer. Sorry, bud. Mm-hmm. I, uh, you're always going to be the guy that was traded for the Vesna winner. Listen, when you, you go into the Hall of Fame, Mikhail Mikhailainen, <laughs> you can play that clip of McKee saying you're nobody and you're nothing. Put that up on your bulletin board. Let's take a break, and I'm going to read a couple more of yeah. these DMs that people sent me. And then if anybody else has some text, anybody else has some unfinished business, We'll put it in odds and ends. It's good show. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at JD Bunkus. Send me a DM on either of those spots. Quick break. Odds and ends. Good show. Sports at 59 The Fan. Good show on Sports Night 5 Not of the Fan. I'm going to jump right into it because I've got some good DMs. By the way, number one rule with the DMs, you got to follow, all right? I'm not reading the non-followers stuff. Chris wrote me. Interested in your thoughts on whether the focus on Galchenyuk pass or one more goal in overtime is misleading. I, I don't know what the hell that actually means. Um, 
As we all know, these types of things happen in hockey, and good teams require character to respond. They certainly did not happen, especially in Game 7. Okay, yeah. So, I don't get you people who want Galchenyuk back. I don't understand. Galchenyuk, you got what you wanted, which was some depth scoring. But this team was... And turned out to be kind of soft. Even though you signed Wayne Simmons to punch people in the faces, like, it, they were kind of soft. And now they lost Zach Hyman. Jason Spetz is a year older. Wayne Simmons is a year older. And, yeah, the whole Thornton thing, woof. That, like, don't let that happen again. Um, they didn't have any punch. They didn't have any force down the lineup. If, if Galchenyuk comes back at a minimum deal, 700000 Am I going to be overly upset about it? No, because it's a $700,000 deal. You could bury it. But no, writing off that Galchenyuk pass as a these things happen in hockey thing is no, 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 no. That guy had the, one of the worst plays in Leafs history. Like that is a all-time horrific pass in an all-time horrific spot. And he buried the momentum of the team in the series. And I am a believer that you cannot just bring everybody back because when you start to look around the room, you start to see all the same faces and you start to think about ghosts. And, yeah, you can say that the group is supposed to be more mature than that and blah, 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 but they've never won anything before. So Alex Galchenyuk, a guy who has been, since he's joined the NHL, God, people get so upset when you say things like this, but a loser um, who's bounced around a bunch of teams... And I don't mean a loser in life. I mean like a loser in hockey. Like he hasn't won anything. Uh, yeah. He was on the fringe of the KHL before he became a Toronto Maple Leaf. And he got a chance to play with really awesome players in the most desperate point of his career. I'm not focused on bringing that guy back. That's a last-ditch option. Uh, Sammy, you've got uh, some breaking news from Elliot Freeman or at least a report on the Flurry thing, an update. Yeah, it's a very spicy little sidebar to this. And uh, Elliot Freeman says, one thing to watch here, there were rumblings that Marc-Andre Fleury might choose to retire if he was traded from Vegas for family reasons. Mm -hmm. Not exactly certain how it will play out. So that throws a little little wrench into things, if that's true. But I I find it hard to believe a Vesna guy who just won it, like, he's going to a team with a bunch of established guys. I feel like he'd want to play there, no? Elliot knows infinitely more than I do, so I'm not going to disagree with his reporting. All I'm saying is that I hope he is not wrong, but I hope that Fleury plays. I like Marc-Andre Fleury. I've always liked Marc-Andre Fleury, minus when he threw... I'm not Sam McKee, who buries goaltenders whenever they have a bad moment and forgets everything that other players do. That's what I hate about hockey fans too. Again, like I just said, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm in a bitter place with hockey, but just like everybody who forgets bad plays of, of skaters, but crystallizes bad goals by goalies and forgets, you know, the 38 saves oh. that they made in the game. No, 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 that's it. We're running out of time. I guess, uh, I, yeah. guess I, for, I guess I forgot the, the goal that he allowed that completely changed the series against the Montreal Canadiens in the, uh, you know, like a month ago. Yeah. I guess we forgot about that one he allowed too, when he and, coughed it up to Josh Anderson. So everybody Anyways, is writing. Your show. Everybody is writing me about how Flurry was traded for nothing and how this is a joke of the salary cap, and it's true. And yep. I just I don't want to continuously be repetitive on this. Like, my only thing here is that it's like, all right, um, cap space is still a weapon. It is still a tool. It just sucks that it's becoming like the only tool, and. 
it's not just about like coveting it. It's just that we do have situations where you got to trade the face of the Golden Knights so that you can open up the potential to make a trade when you're right on the cusp. Like that just like, yeah. Hard cap, I'm just never, you're never going to convince me that the hard cap is good for hockey. And you're never going to convince me that this type of stuff is good for the game or good for fans or good for the players or anybody other than the owners. We're serving one interest here with the salary cap, owners. And I think the billionaires will be fine. I think a little less cost certainty for products that they got into because they wanted to be visible in their communities and they wanted to be involved in things people care about and they wanted people to know. Like, listen, you could pull up a list of billionaires right now. You wouldn't know any of them unless they're on Shark Tank or they own sports teams or they're the richest one. So having a sports team is supposed to be a cool privilege and – the idea that you care more about cost certainty when, again, these franchises go up in value every single year is just like the worst thing. It's just the worst thing about sports. And if there's no place it's worse right now than hockey. I like this question from Blake. Do you think it's really just Alex Cora that made this Red Sox team good? No, Blake. <laughs> I think it's the fact that they went from the worst bullpen in baseball to one of the best bullpens in baseball. They completely figured out their pitching and Verdugo has turned into a star. They're really, really good. The Red Sox are very, very good. Um, is, we're running out of time. I don't think I have time for any more tweets and texts. I'm just going to sign off by saying this. Please play Marc-Andre Fleury. And Jack Eichel to Vegas is actually kind of sexy, and I think that Jack Eichel with the golden gloves is a, is a good look, is a good look for the league. He, he kind of screams of Vegas. I also love, though, that Vegas has just become the place where it's like, hey, Mark Stone, you don't like your team where it's crappy and there's a bad culture and whatever? We're going to capitalize on that. We're going to bring you here. Let Vegas just become the place where they poach all the star players from the teams where guys are unhappy. But also, Kyle Dubas, just pick up the phone and ask Vegas what they would give you for Mitch Marner. Just do it. Nobody else to know. Just you and George McPhee or Kelly McCrimmon, whoever does the phone call with you. All right, we're back tomorrow. Paul Bizonette and some NBA insiders, I'm hoping, of, of world-renowned. Pressure's on you, Sam McKee. It's a good show. Subscribe to the podcast. Follow at J.D. Bunkus. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya.